for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Hi, take your Bibles tonight, go to Galatians chapter 3. Father, we just thank you once again for the opportunity to come to your word. Lord, I just thank you that your spirit will reveal to us the truth that each and every one of us separately need to know tonight. Open our eyes, let us see clearly what you've done on the cross and what you provided for us. Father, we want to be fruitful in every good work. We thank you for the anointing tonight in every person's life. I thank you that it is working right now to open our eyes and make us see what you want us to see in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Through faith. Notice here it says we have been redeemed from the curse. See, I've been redeemed from the curse. Now, what is the curse? The curse we found out is fever, it's pestilence, it's botch, it's scab, it's itch, it's inflammation, it's all those good things that are listed in Deuteronomy 28. The curse includes every sickness and every disease. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse, which means he has set us free from every sickness and every disease. See, my days of sickness are over forever. Hallelujah. In the very beginning, man and, man and woman were created, and basically they were created strong in God's image, in God's likeness. They were healthy, happy, in fellowship with God, but Satan caused Adam and Eve to disobey God and doubt his word. When they sinned against God and yield themselves to the authority of Satan to be his slaves basically forever. In the Bible it says in Romans, I believe it's chapter 6, whoever you submit to or whoever you obey, you become a servant of. That's what Adam and Eve basically did. It was then that disease and pain and sickness began to destroy the health of God's creation, his mankind. Then Christ, the Son of the living God, came and paid the penalty for our obedience by being beaten and crucified on the cross. He ended our sentence of death for us. Christ has paid our debt fully. God has declared us free. Say, I'm free. Through his blood, we have received remission for sins, and by his stripes, we were healed. Hebrews chapter 9. You've got to convince yourself, first of all, that you can live free. You can live free of sickness and disease. You never have to be sick again. If you turn on the TV, they're going to tell you to buy everything in the world even before you get sick. Basically, they want you in to anticipate getting sick. Why? Because if you don't get sick, they don't make no money. So they want to make sure you've got every drug in the entire world, praise God, in, in your medicine cabinet, and that you're longing to get sick and use those things. But uh, if, you know, if divine health just hit the earth today, there'd be a lot of things changing when they're... Hallelujah. All right, Hebrews chapter 9. Look at verse 12. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, talking about Jesus... He entered in once into the holy place, and he obtained an eternal redemption for who? For us. So Paul says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law because he was made a curse for us. And here we found out that that redemption we have is an eternal redemption. Say eternal redemption. Now, eternal redemption basically is always. In other words, you are redeemed right now. You'll be redeemed tomorrow. You'll be redeemed a week from now. You are redeemed when you have a symptom. You are redeemed when you do not have a symptom. You are internally or eternally redeemed from all sickness, every disease, and every plague. How about when you don't feel like it? Are you still redeemed? Yes. You are, aren't you? Because he bore for us on the cross our firmities and our sicknesses. Adam and Eve basically sold us into slavery to the devil, 
but Christ has redeemed us. He bought us back. We no longer live by the law anymore. How many of you know you live by the Spirit of God who now lives on the inside of you? Scripture we read before this about Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. It says that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, the Spirit, through what? Through faith. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Take a little sidebar here. We're no longer under the curse of the law. How many know the law brought a curse with it? Why did the law bring a curse with it? Because mankind couldn't do the law that he was commanded to do in the Old Testament because they had a nature that would not line up with it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty or freedom. In other words, Christ has set us free. Well, here it tells you where your freedom is. It says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is. If you look up the translation, it actually says, where the spirit is Lord, there is freedom. That means as long as you're being led by the spirit, not under the law, not under the guilt and condemnation because you did something wrong, or you're still living by the old ways of the law, basically you're led by the spirit. Now, where's the spirit of God tonight? He's on the inside of you, isn't he? He's that still, small voice on the inside of you. Whenever anything's going on in your life, you need to go in here to get your answer 90% of the time. Even when sickness and disease strikes my body, I always stop, take a breath, and wait to see what the Holy Ghost wants me to do in that situation or in that circumstance. He'll take you to the scripture that you need. He'll take you to the place that you need. He may even take you to the person that you need. But we're led by the Spirit. We're no longer under the law, thank God. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Talked about Sunday, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 19. Paul says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore you should glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are who? Which are God's. Notice Christ has purchased us with the price of his own body and his own blood, and he has set us free. You were bought with a price, not prices. One price was paid for your spirit, one price for your body. God so loved us that he paid a great price for our redemption. He gave his son as our substitute so that we could be restored to God as though sin had never been committed in your life. What's the word for that? As sin has never been committed in your life. Justified. Just as if I never sinned. He legally redeemed us. He has legally set us free. Salvation when you got born again was your emancipation from everything outside God's will for your life. Now you can act like you're free, you can talk like you're free, you can confess your freedom instead of your bondage, you can confess and talk about the stripes that healed you instead of your sickness and pain, you can confess that your redemption is fully complete from all sin and from all sickness. Confess that Satan's dominion over you has ended at Calvary and the day you got born again, now you are his master because God has set you free. We used to sing a song, uh, I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. Yes, he did. All right, go to John 19. We sing a lot of songs here about freedom because we want you to understand that you're free. 
and we keep giving them to you and giving them to you, and we're singing freedom again on Sunday. Why is that? So you confess, I am free, I am free, and begin to understand that you really are. All right, John chapter 19, look at verse 30. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is what? It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Our salvation, our deliverance, and our redemption from all the works of Satan have been accomplished by what Christ did for us. It is truly finished. The battle had been fought. The enemy had been conquered and forced to surrender. Our salvation, our healing, and our deliverance are a finished fact. Christ gained total triumph and complete victory over all the works of the devil which came to destroy. Now we have been liberated or set free from the hand of the oppressor. How many know the devil is the oppressor? He comes to oppress mankind any way he can, through sickness, through disease, through worry, through fear, through all those things. But you have been set free from those things. It's up to you whether you actually live free of those things. All right, go to Galatians chapter 5. All right, Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 1. Here's the key now. You need to stand fast, therefore, in that liberty where which Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, this tells you quite a bit here. People say, well, if I'm free, then why aren't I free? Well, let me tell you why you're not free, because you're not standing fast, therefore, in the freedom where which Christ has made you free, and because you're not, you're being entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, notice Paul would not, would not caution you on doing that if it wasn't available. In other words, you don't have to live like you're free. It's totally up to you. But here he says you need to stand fast, stay put, stay there because you are free. Say, I am free. So you must act free. You must talk free. You must come to the place of revelation where you understand that you have been set free by what Jesus did. You can tell the devil that you have found the truth and that you have been set free. He lied to you for years. He's still lying to you. He's trying to keep you from knowing your legal rights in the kingdom of God. The Bible says that God, little G-O-D of this world, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So how do we do it? By your continual confession of God's word, you stand fast in your freedom from Satan's dominion. By your continual confession of God's word, you stand fast in your freedom from Satan's dominion. The statement, Jesus has borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases, is God's absolute fact and proof of our perfect healing and health for us. The diseases of your body were laid upon Jesus Christ. The need, you need never bear them because he already bore them for you. All you need to do is believe in what he did talk in line with it, and live in line with it. You can go to any church in any area if you want to, stand in back, listen to people come in and greet and meet, and all you're going to hear about is they're talking about the troubles they had that week, the problems they had that week, the symptoms they've got right now, how sick they've been. My dog's been sick. My cat's been sick. My horse has been sick. Everybody's been sick in our family. Going around, the that's all you hear people talk. We notice you cannot talk that way and stand fast in your liberty cannot be done. You've got to line your continual confession up no matter what's going on in the natural realm with the word of the living God if you're going to live free in these situations. So you need to stand fast. You don't need to get your liberty. You already got it. You need to stand fast in the liberty that you already have, and it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. All right, go to James 4.
All right, James chapter 4, look at verse 7. It tells us to submit ourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will do what? Flee from you. Now, what happens if I don't submit to God and don't agree with God? What happens if I don't resist the devil? He's not going to flee. I don't understand why the devil won't go. Well, you're not submitted to God, and you're not resisting him. That's why. It's, I mean, it's pretty simple. I just don't know why God don't do something. He did not say, I will submit to myself. I will resist the devil, and you will be free. He tells you to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So we must refuse to allow sickness to stay in our body. How many know sickness is one of the works of the devil? So if you resist the devil, you can resist sickness, you can resist worry, you can resist fear. We know that we've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. If Christians would believe this, it would be the end of the so-called chronic ailments in the body of people. Most people have had diseases for a long time, have rehearsed them and practiced them over and over and over and over and over and over. Then when they were done, they did it over again. Basically, and all that does is solidify what you have in your bodies. Satan is known as a deceiver. He is a liar. He will lie to you in your thought life. Why? To try to bind you. Sickness, disease, sin, and infirmities were all laid upon Jesus Christ. He bore them for you. He carried them away, leaving us free and leaving us well. We should constantly, every day, be rejoicing in the liberty that already belongs to us. Redemption has not become a reality to most people in the church. Most of them don't even know what the word means. Satan has taken advantage of this lack of understanding. I mean, you know, he's the ruler of the kingdom of darkness or ignorance. He rules not in ignorance, but through ignorance. He keeps you ignorance of how to handle situations, of what you know about the things in the spirit realm. But we are redeemed from all the power of Satan. We are born again. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are free from the kingdom of darkness. We are no longer slaves of Satan. Sin and sickness no longer rule over us. What do we do? We simply resist the devil. We resist sickness. We resist worry. We resist fear. And what happens? It will what? It will flee. But only if you resist it. Okay, go to John 8. Okay, John 8, look at verse 44. Jesus said, you are of your father the devil. How many want Jesus for a pastor? <laughs> you are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. This tells you who Satan is. Satan is a liar. He will attack you with symptoms. He will attack you with thoughts of fear and worry. But you are redeemed according to the blood. He has no legal right to trespass on God's property. We have been redeemed from his dominion by Jesus Christ. What happens? You have to say to the enemy, this sickness that you are trying to put on me was cursed on the cross of Calvary for me. And you know that I do not have to bear this sickness anymore. I command you in the name of Jesus that you leave my body now. I am free from your curse, for it is written, with his stripes, I am healed, so I'm going to submit to God, I am healed. 
And Satan will say, how do you know? And you say, well, God said so. That's how I know. You're a liar, Satan. Your pains are lies. Your symptoms are lies. Your sickness is lies. Your words and your thoughts are lies. You are the father of all lies. Then what do I want to do after that? I want to thank the Lord for my deliverance. Not to get my deliverance, but because I already have my deliverance. Satan knows all this. It is only when he knows that you know that he will resist when you tell him to resist. In other words, Satan knows what you know. He'll know what you know every time a symptom hits your body. I mean, you'll tell him in the first 30 seconds. So basically, he knows how to go next. He, he knows whether he's going to be resisted or whether you believe what, what we're teaching, whether you don't. I mean, he knows he's not an idiot. And basically, he can't really read your mind, but he can certainly understand what comes out of your mouth when the sickness and disease hits. So, so I want to thank the Lord. What for? That he healed me by the blood, that the blood paid for it. So few people realize in the church today that they have been set free from Satan's dominion and all his works. Many, most, many Christians, I would say most, are afraid of the devil. Oh, that's because they watch too much TV, too many Halloween shows, too many things. The devil has already been defeated. He's underneath your feet. And if you quit using your confession as smelling salt for raising him up off the canvas, you'd be just fine, praise God. It doesn't work that way. You have authority over him, and he does not want you to know that. Many have lived sick because they do not know their rights in Christ, that they're in the kingdom of God and they have divine rights, and they do not understand that the devil has been defeated once and for all. Say the devil is defeated. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God's doing a lot of texting to me tonight. I better read what he's saying and maybe sending me in a different direction here. Praise God. I need to check, see what's going on for sure. Oh, there it is. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 17. I think one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice we are now new creations in Christ Jesus. Say, I am a new species of being that never existed before. That's who you are spiritually when you got born again. You were immediately transformed by a miracle into the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you have the nature of God on the inside of you. His love is on the inside of you. His faith is on the inside of you. His life is on the inside of you. His spirit is on the inside of you. His power is on the inside of you. But because you become a, a child of God and you are now a offspring of God himself. All that Jesus did was for us. Everything that he did, nothing did he do for himself. He didn't have to pay for his sins. He didn't have any. He didn't have to conquer Satan. Satan wasn't bothering him. He didn't have to fight sickness and disease. He had no sickness and disease. He had no sins of his own to carry away because he had no sin until he took our sins and he did it for us. He had no need to put away sickness for himself because he had no sickness until he was made sick for us. He did everything that he did for us. What's the scripture that goes with that? If you love your brother, you will lay down your life for someone else. And right after you tell somebody that, they say, yeah, but what do I get out of it? How many know that's not the way Jesus did it? See, but that's the way we do it with our natural mindset here. But no, Jesus laid down his life with nothing really in return. We are now recreated in Christ Jesus. 
we are now made partakers with him. We have been made conquerors through what he did. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, your old person was crucified. When Jesus was buried, your old person, thank God, was buried. When you arose from the dead, he rose from the dead, we rose from the dead. When Jesus went back to the throne and sat on the right hand of God, he made us sit together with him in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. God made us what we are. We are new creation. Say, I am a new creation. I am in the image of God in every area of my life. I don't need more love. I have his love. I don't need more power. I have his power. I have his nature. Now I need to manifest that nature. All right, go to 1 John chapter 3. That's what we talked about last Sunday, and we'll probably talk about it again this Sunday. All right, First John chapter 3, are you there? Look at verse 8. He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy what? The works of the devil. Notice, not just destroy the devil, but he also destroyed what? The works of the devil. Everything that comes from the demonic realm, everything that comes from the evil realm, Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil, and he has triumphed over him. Since Satan's works have been destroyed, his power has been broken, he is now a defeated foe. Jesus' triumph was our triumph. Jesus' triumph was your triumph. His victory is your victory. He did it all for us. He defeated Satan for us. He spoiled his power for us. He destroyed his works for us. He conquered him for us. Time in your mindset, you need to arise from his lies and his bondage and start confessing yourself as a winner. Low self-esteem is a definite no-no if you're a born-again believer. Low self-esteem will get you off into depression. It'll get you off into sickness, into disease. You have no low self-esteem if you know who you really are rather than who you think you are. You know, we sing that one song, we, I know who I am, I know what God says I am. We sing that song, but I'll tell you what, you need to know that song, not just sing that song. Sure, it's catchy, it's fun, but you've got to know that in your life, who you really are. And people say, well, I'm just worthless. Well, you're not worthless because God knows how, what price to pay for something. And if he paid his son for you, my God, you must be pretty important to him, for goodness sakes. So that was the price paid for you. So what do we need to do? We need to find out we're a winner, then we need to hold fast that confession of faith without wavering. That wavering's an ugly word, isn't it? You need to maintain your confession of God's word and your victory. Beware of the attack. And this is, this is what I found out from, from studying this, from learning it, from living it for the last 25 years. Basically, whenever there's an attack on your life, especially with a symptom of sickness and disease, and it comes, the first thing I do is I stand against that symptom of sickness and disease. I resist the devil. I agree with God that I've been healed. Many times, and most of the time, the symptom does not leave immediately. Well, it didn't go away. Well, that doesn't change the fact that you're still healed. And see, most people right there, well, that didn't go away. I gave it a shot. Bless. Yeah, you gave it a 30-second shot of one scripture that you found out of the Bible. No, if I'm healed, then I'm healed, so I'm going to stay there. So I wait a little while, and basically about the next day, it either gets worse or better. 
either a lot worse or a lot better. If it gets a lot worse, that's when you need to maintain right there. If it gets better, it's easy to maintain, is it? And I'll tell you what, you've got to be careful because once you resist it and you feel better and you think, I did it. I got the victory. I got the claim here. Because the next day it'll come back and all at once, there it'll be again. And now you think, well, I tried it. You know, I gave it my best shot. And I, what does he do? He just keeps coming back. He wants to see how well you're really going to stand. He wants to see that you've been walking around all last year saying, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, when you didn't have a pain in your body. But now he hits you. He's going to find out just what you do believe. You can run your mouth all day long, but when the time comes and it hits, what, what you going to do about it, see? See, even when we were on the cruise ship the last Friday night that we were on it, basically I woke up. I don't know what happened. I was sweating all over. I had a fever. Uh, I felt terrible. So basically I resisted the thing. I rebuked it in Jesus' name. And, and basically I laid there, got up the next day, didn't feel much better. We came home on Saturday, and I wasn't going anywhere. You know, I said, hey, I got church on Sunday. He said, by Sunday, you'd be so, you'd be so sick, you won't be able to walk behind that pulpit, brother. Out there. See, all these thoughts start coming at you. He attacks you in different ways. So I just said, hey, sorry, I'm going to be there preaching my hiney off, baby, whether you like it or not. Well, about Saturday night late, all at once the fever broke and everything was gone. I said, praise God, hallelujah. Sunday I was here. Sunday I preached up a storm. Monday morning I woke up, felt like I got hit by a truck again. He said, I'm going to take, take that voice here. I'm going to, you can't preach without taking that voice. Yesterday I could barely speak at all. Yesterday, basically, Becky called, and you know how Becky goes. She, she's, up, she's up in Orlando at some thing, and I love talking to my wife, but I just wasn't in a, and, how you doing? Are you okay? You're not saying much. I'm, I'm just want to say, shut up and leave me alone. But I didn't. I nodded a little bit, which I don't think she heard. See what I mean? Kept going, kept going. Why? Because I could barely talk the way it was, and the more I talked, probably wasn't going to help the situation anyway. So basically, I got up this morning, and it was a little bit better, and I just kept saying, oh, bless God, I'm healed. I'm preaching. Whether you like it or not, I'm getting behind that microphone. I don't care if Patrick's got to turn it up to a number 13. Praise God. We're going to get back there, and we're going to preach that thing, and we're going to hit that thing. Glory to God. And, and what is it? See, you got to keep going on this stuff. This, this isn't a game, you know. It's a, it's a game when it's a sore throat. Or it's a game when it's your voice. But when you get hit with the biggie, you know, this or that, it's no game anymore. It's a matter of everything in your life. And you've got to make a decision whether you're going to stand or not and stand in the counterattack and stand in the account, stand in the one after that because it is a stance and, you know, it's good. It's good, praise God. When it starts working in your life, financially is the same way. You know, people believe for money, they got to have money by such and such a time, and it doesn't show up, and God didn't come through. Well, no, you just weren't in the faith department there to get it at that time, but keep believing because it's still going. See, don't throw it down then, for God's sakes. You don't ever want to agree with the devil. What good's that going to do you when you agree with him? I mean, he's going to make sure that everything in your life is all messed up. So it, it's a battle, and you've got to stay there. You've got to stand there. You've got to block out those thoughts out of your mind the best you can because they just keep coming. They keep coming. They keep coming. He keeps bombarding you with those things. So every believer basically can learn to be a devil's master. They can learn to be overnight that they are. When Jesus arose from the dead, he left an eternally defeated Satan behind. Always think of Satan as an eternally defeated foe. Think of Satan as one over whom you have dominion and you have authority in every single area of your life. All right, go to John 14. All right, John chapter 14, look at verse 12. Jesus is speaking, should be in red in your Bible. It says, Very, very, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do shall 
he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. Here the word says that we have become basically what Christ is in nature. We now have authority to work the same works that Jesus worked, doing them in Jesus' name. God sees us in Christ. The Bible says, of his fullness, we all have received grace for grace. So to talk what Satan is doing in your life is basically to deny who you are and who Christ is. When you know that you are what Christ says you are, you will act accordingly, talk accordingly, and this is what glorifies God in his word. We are created in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ, and he is in us. We have been brought back to the same level as the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? So that we can do the same works that he can do. Here it says the same works that Jesus did, we will also do. Why is that? Because he went to the Father. Well, when he went to the Father, what did he do? He sent someone by the name of the Holy Ghost into the lives of human beings. Everything Jesus did, he did by the Spirit of God on the inside of him. And you have the same Spirit of God on the inside of you. And he's not an old, decrepit spirit. And he's not a piece of the Spirit. He's the whole Holy Ghost, praise God. All right, go to Mark chapter 16. All right, Mark chapter 16, look at verse 17. It says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. How many of you believe? In his name, in the name of Jesus, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And if they lay hands on the sick, they shall what? Notice, in my name, in the name of Jesus Christ, basically you have authority and power over devils. When Christians begin to rise up and see their position in the kingdom of God, begin to speak in line with God's word, they will start to live in the abundant life that was talked about in John 10. Jesus wanted to give us life and life more abundantly. The old language about weakness, lack, inability, and sickness will stop coming out of your mouth. The church must remember that they have authority over sickness and disease in the name of Jesus. That name controls Satan, his works, and his demons. And that name has been legally given to every single person who's born again and lives in the kingdom of God. If we can cast out demons, then we can cast out all demons, and we can cast out all demons' works of sickness, disease, worry, fear, doubt, unbelief. You have to remember at all times that Satan is eternally defeated. Say, Satan's defeat. Is complete. complete. All right, go to First Peter chapter five. Another thing I like to do when I come under attack is go on the offensive. 
In other words, if I don't feel good, the first thing I'll start doing is praying in tongues. And I'll pray in tongues while I'm eating. I'll pray in tongues while I'm walking. I'll pray in tongues while I'm doing nothing. I'll just pray. And I said, I'm going to sit back and put up with it. I'm going to attack on the other end. And tongues is a good way to attack. Not only does it build yourself up, but you're praying in line with the Spirit of God. So although I feel like junk and I feel like this and I don't feel very good, you're going to pay for this. I'll pray till 5 o'clock in the morning. I'll sleep an hour, get back up and hit you again. Bless God. Hallelujah. All right, 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 8. tells you to be sober. Amen. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. If we are redeemed and Satan is defeated, then why are so many people still sick and full of disease? Why does Satan, who was defeated, hold many of the people in the church in bondage? The defeated one is basically mastering over people who should be mastering over him. Because although our property has been liberated, although Satan's reign has been destroyed by Christ on the cross, although Satan's power over our lives has been taken away from him, there still remains a host of demons who will continue to resist our freedom and try to steal our victory. How many know demons can do this legally? They can legally attack you physically, mentally, however they want to attack you, basically. That's all they've got to do all day. It's not like they've got a nine-to-five job other than that. They're all day, every day coming against you trying to steal what God has already given you. Demon spirits have no legal right to continue oppressing and afflicting believers with disease and infirmity. They know that thousands of people do not know that Satan has made a surrender and that he's been defeated. Thousands of people do not know that Satan's forces have no rights over them in their life whatsoever. So demons continue their illegal opposition to the people of God, and they defeat many people who do not know how to fight against them. As long as people do not know about Satan's legal defeat, he can operate unhindered in the lives of people. Now, really, we're not in a battle, once again, with the devil. We're in a battle of staying on the word of God when the devil attacks. The devil has already been defeated in our life and in everybody's life because of what Jesus did. So we're not actually fighting the devil. Basically, the Bible says we're fighting his devices or his schemes. In other words, he has schemes and devices to come and try to steal your victory from you. When you recognize what those things are and start to resist them, you'll see more and more victory in your life. Notice verse 8 again. Be sober. Be vigilant. Now what? Was this written to drunks? Is that why you put that in there? No, he's talking about your mind being sober. What would sober be? Lined up with the word of God. Be vigilant. Already be ready all the time because your friend, your buddy, your teacher, the one helping you grow up, no, your adversary. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. It doesn't say he is one. It says he's as one. He walks about seeking whom what? Now notice, he may devour. He's not around, he's not chewing everybody up and going after everybody and, and devouring everybody. He's seeking whom he may devour. So Satan here, according to this scripture, he is your adversary. Demons are your enemy. They resent your legal right over them and are jealous of the authority that you got back. They will always seek to hinder your progress and cheat you out of every promise that God has given you. They will try to prevent you from taking your promised land. If you remember like Joshua and the children of Israel, how many of you know they, they were given a promised land? But then all once they had to go in and possess the land themselves, and they had to do that without something called fear. Say fear. And here's the thing. If you're in the Word and you're studying the Word and something scares you, 
because you've totally been set free. If something scares you, that's an area you need to work on. Because there's no reason for you to be afraid of something you have authority over. I mean, are you afraid of an ant when it's going down the sidewalk? No, you walk by the thing and you smash its head and it squirts all over and that's the end of the thing. Well, it's the same way with the devil. Some people are so afraid when they hear the word Satan. Or when sickness starts to hit their body, they get all afraid. When this happens, if fear is there, you've got a problem because you're believing that more than you're believing the power that you have, the deliverance you have, and the freedom you have. Fear is a bad, it's just bad. I mean, let's face it, they were going to go into the promised land. God didn't say, go in and get your promised land. He said, I have given you the land. Now go in and possess it. And first of all, they went in and looked in the natural and spied it out. I mean, you know, two stayed with God and ten of them said they couldn't get in there and do anything at all. Well, ten of them didn't get in. Does that mean the promised land wasn't given to them? I don't know why God don't give us a promised land. No, because they, what they saw in there, they saw in the natural realm and it kept them out. There was only two who went in and the Bible says it's because they had another spirit on them. Hallelujah. How many know what spirit that was? Glory to God. It was the Holy Ghost. It was not the spirit of fear. It was not the spirit of worry. It was not the spirit of defeat. And I mean, you can see how their eyes go. One of them saying, let's go in and take it. And the other one saying, we're going to get crushed. One sees them as giants and and them as, I mean, that shows your imagination is a powerful thing. And the problem with most of us, uh, you know, we didn't get born again when we first came out of the womb. In other words, we had 25, 30, 40 years of non-teaching and a bunch of idiot stuff to get in our minds, and all that stuff needs to be weeded out and taken out because it's been pounded in there so much, so much. I mean, sickness and disease is, is big money. I'm just going to say it. It's big money. And, and they want sickness and disease. Do you know that? They want people sick. They want, they're advertising every night on TV, you better get this drug because you're going to get it pretty soon, and you better be ready. You should open that medicine cabinet. It should be full of stuff just in case. You ain't sick right now, but just in case you get sick. What are we doing? We're pre-planning sickness and disease. Everybody's, well, I'm going to get sick pretty soon. i got 14 different aspirin up there, and, and I ain't going to be able to sleep at night, so i got 12 pills. Well, it leads us into a place where we think sickness and disease is natural. Everybody gets sick. Everybody should get sick. they got wonder drugs to do it. But let me tell you, their drugs are no good if we all start living in divine health. Oh, yeah. They're not going to make it. Now, I mean, then you, th- you think Christians get persecuted now? Come on, start going around clearing out hospitals. Going around clearing out all these medical places where they can't do anything. Why? Because the power of God invades them places and heals everybody else that's there, and there's no more. See, you can read in the book of Acts several times where the power of God moved on a city and people who were making statues or shrines or something all at once lost their business. And they were mad about it. They didn't care if anybody got healed. They didn't care if anybody got delivered, but you take money out of somebody's pocket. Woo, that's bad news, praise God. Hallelujah. So your adversary, the devil, say my adversary. He's the devil. So now how are you going to find all this stuff out? You're going to continually read the Bible. Continually read the Bible. Stay hungry for the Bible. Sometimes you pick this book up and you'll read several chapters and you'll say, boy, I just didn't get anything out of that. And you'll pick it up and you'll pick it up and I didn't get anything out of that. But no, all that stuff's gone in there and it's, it's like a seed, the Bible says. You don't plant a seed yesterday and then dig it up today and say, where's my rose bush? I planted a seed. It doesn't work that way. Just keep putting it in, putting it in, putting it in. Sometimes it's suffering just to put it in because you've been putting it in and not getting anything. But then all at once an explosion happens on the inside of you. Then you think you know everything for about two minutes till you understand that you don't. You just got a revelation. Come on. And you want to tell everybody. Do you ever do that? Yeah. Well, I sit in a meeting, get a revelation, I bump back. Did you see that? See what? Did you see what he did? See what? Leave me alone. I'm trying to listen. So apparently she didn't see what I saw, see? She must have saw something else. But when you see it, you think everybody, 
the light came on in a dent. It's just the Holy Ghost picking you out in your life and turning a light bulb on where you had a little bit of darkness here, here, wherever it was, and it came back on for you. Hallelujah. So this is done by constantly staying in the Word. That's why the Word is so darn important, I'm telling you. you got to read it. you got to spend time in it. you got to listen to it. you got to do that. And just keep feeding it in. Be patient. Say, be patient. Most people are so impatient with themselves, I'll tell you, it's ridiculous. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 6. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. Sounds like Galatians 5.1, doesn't it? Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench how many? All the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching whereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Once again, Satan is our adversary. He is always present to challenge your faith and your covenant rights. Satan always leads an open rebellion against God and his family. How many know he can't get to God anymore, so he comes after his family? The works of the devil are and always have been to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He is after your mind. He is after your body. He's even after your spirit. Christ destroyed all these wicked works of Satan. He has overcome them all and given us power and authority over all devils. Satan resents this, and he's very angry and jealous. He despises us. And he also opposes us. Now, you've got to remember, if you ever studied Satan at all in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 14, I think it is, and there's one other thing that had us in there, all Satan ever wanted to do was get into a place of authority in his life. He wanted to ascend into this place to be a king. He wanted to ascend into a place where he was a ruler. That's all he wanted in his life. Well, of course, that's what basically was part of his downfall that did that. So all at once, here comes God along after man falls, and God raises him to that place that Satan so badly wanted. And in order to get there, man had to do nothing except Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you can imagine if you wanted something really bad and you were saving up for it and you were fighting for it and you wanted to get it real bad and you just never got it and then somebody comes along and all at once somebody gave it to him. You think, well, I'm so happy for you. I'm going to steal it first chance I get. No, that's why. He's angry because now you're in authority and you did nothing to get there. It was all Jesus who did it, basically. So it makes him very angry. That's why he does not like you. We have been warned in the word to be alert, to be sober, to be vigilant. We have been given a full armor to resist him. Every believer has the right to use the name of Jesus against the devil. The sword of the Spirit is what? What's the sword of the Spirit? 
the word of God. It is ours to use against Satan. That is a weapon spiritually that he's given unto us. Our feet are shod with the good news of the kingdom. We have already been set free. The helmet of salvation and all its benefits protect our mind. The shield of faith is our defense that which will cancel out every fiery dart of the wicked. Now, where do you think the fiery darts are shot at? Your thought life. They come at your thought life. That's why you've got to have the word of God in your heart, in your mouth, and in your mind. With the armor of God, we are to resist Satan and his works. In the name of Jesus, we cast out the devil. With the sword of the Spirit, the word of God, we can defeat him at every single turn. We can take care of the opposing force. Look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, you already know that God and his word are one, so you say, what does he mean by that? Well, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord or be strong in the word and in the power of his might. What's the power of his might? The Holy Ghost. So where do I want to be strong? I want to be strong in the Word of God, and I want to be strong in a strong in the Holy Ghost. As long as I have the Word and as long as I have the Holy Ghost working together, I'm in good shape in every single attack that comes against me, praise God. That will take care of the problem. Satan is the author of sickness. He's the author of disease and pain. God is the author of life. He is the author of health. When born again, I was never told, basically, when I got born again and came into the church. I was in a denomination. Nobody ever told me that Satan was the cause of sickness and disease. I was told it was God's way of teaching me. It was suffering for Jesus. It was just what we were supposed to do, basically, and especially for all the sins that I'd committed before I was 30 years old. I was going to have to do a lot of suffering before that was over again. Nobody ever told me that, so I never resisted sickness and disease. I never fought sickness and disease, and because of that, I was sick all the time. Seems like all the time I was sick. Bangkok flu, pig flu, swine flu, whatever other kind of flus are out there, every single one was there. When I learned that sickness was from the devil, I immediately determined that I didn't want any more sickness in my life, and I was going to resist it every time it came around. Every symptom that came, I was going to resist. I hated sickness like I hated Satan. I never want disease in my body again. This changed my view and my attitude towards sickness. We must resist sickness just like we would resist sin and the devil. One Christian leader said, no great spiritual awakening that has ever come to any nation until first the church has learned to discern and to cast out devils. No great spiritual awakening has ever come to any nation until first the church has learned to discern and to cast out devils. All right, one more. Go to Colossians 1. This is an extra one. This came from my cruise weekend. We looked at this during the offering, but I want to show you. Many times God shows you a scripture and you think you know what that scripture is for, and it is, but it's for something else at the same time. He's just not, I mean, he's just so vast that you think you got it all figured out and you probably ain't got any of it figured out. All right, we look at this Sunday, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and what kind of understanding? spiritual understanding that we might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing and being fruitful in how many good works? Every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now here's the part we looked at. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto the Father which has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saint in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness 
has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. All right, so I was on the cruise. Of course, I had this. I was going to be patient the whole time. Anything, anytime came up, I'm patient, I'm long-suffering. But then all at once the attack came on Friday night, and the Holy Ghost said, use the scripture. And I said, well, thanks, but, you know, this book's full of them. It's gonna, you've got to be a little more specific in that. He said, use the scripture. I said, what scripture? He said, this scripture. And I thought, well, probably the scripture that he just gave me to do in the patience. So when the thing hit, first of all, and, and I woke up Friday night, the first thing came to my mind was, I'm the most patient person in the world. Well, patience, if you look it up, means to be consistently, constantly the same. So I said, well, if I was healed Friday morning and I felt good, then I'm healed Friday night, even though I don't feel good, because I've got patience. I'm consistently, constantly the same. So I resist this pain in Jesus' name. Woke up Saturday morning, it wasn't gone. Long-suffering. Oh, yeah, I don't feel that better, but praise God, I've been redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I feel great. I feel, and then I'm, not, then I'm like that, and of course, I'm with Becky on the boat, and I don't really want to really tell her, you know, because then she'll start, to, oh, he can be, and that, that's all right, you know, but I don't, I don't need any slapped or something instead, you know, so there I am. I feel like junk. I'm in long, I'm in long suffering, and then at once up coming, my spirit comes with joyfulness. So, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. So I felt joy. Praise God. I don't feel very much. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got the joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I said, this joy stuff isn't working, although I'm singing the song. And he says, what's next? Thanks. Thank God I'm healed. Thank God no matter what I feel like. Thank God I'm delivered. Thank God I'm full of the Spirit of God. Thank God this is temporary. Praise God. It's almost gone right now. Praise God. What it did, it took me from one level. I never looked at this for sickness, disease in my life before. I looked at it for patience and long suffering like I did on the cruise. But then he showed me that scripture. And thank God I'd been over it and over enough to understand what he was trying to tell me when the attack came. That this is the way you can handle any attack, I figured out. Even financial attack in your life. And the Bible says you meets all my needs according to his riches and glory. Well, you got a bill and you can't pay it. You know what? I've got patience. I consistently, constantly remain the same. My needs are met according to his riches and glory. The money didn't come in. Long suffering. My needs are met according to his riches. Joyfulness. My needs are met according to his riches and glory. Praise God for that. Thank you, Lord. It just takes you all the way through because I'll tell you what, if you stop at the first two, you will lose every ounce of joy you've ever had in your entire life. You'll be walking around the church. How you doing? Healed. Healed. Oh, they play that stupid song again about joy. I'm tired of that song. He just zaps all the joy out of you, don't it? I mean, it does. So he taught me that, praise God. So, and I want to leave you with one thing here tonight. Symptoms do not equal defeat. Some people think they do. As soon as they get a symptom, oh, it didn't work out. No, that's the attack. You've got to understand. So that does not mean defeat. Some people take that as defeat right off the bat. And if you do that, you're already backing up. You're already backpedaling. So we always go forward. Say, thank God. My days of sickness and disease are over forever. I choose to consistently, constantly remain the same, standing fast on the Word of God. I will stay there through forbearance. I will keep my joy because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I will thank God at all times, not just close to Thanksgiving, but all year long because I'm a victor in Christ Jesus.
All right. Praise God. For listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.